wonderful knowing you that way in life. But oh Lord, after a while, we are going to be even happier if we can imagine it. When this world is a rocking and shaking and the stars are falling from heaven, the vultures will be called to eat people's flesh. We will be so glad we've been hid in the rock of ages. So let us be reproached. Let people laugh at us, make fun of us, whatever more. Hide us, O Lord God, in your great cupboard of your wings. Speak to us tonight, Father, would you? We count it an honor to be gathered together again and sense your presence. Help us tonight, Father, as we endeavor to look into your word. Grant it, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now, let me just give you a little heads up where we are. For those that are living in the end time, you're either going to be at supper or you're going 
to be supper. It's quite simple. You're either going to be at supper or you're going to be supper. Now, without hearing my sermon, I think anybody in their right mind wants to know which side you want to be on, right? You don't want to be supper. I think they ought to sing some more of them songs. It was beautiful, wasn't it, singing? And we, we realize, as far as the majority of the world's concerned, Jesus has really nothing to do with Christmas anyway. But I trust we're not like that. But we know that he couldn't have raised from the dead if he hadn't have been first born. He couldn't have raised from the dead if he hadn't died. We know that. And we're certainly grateful that he came to the earth. But with that being said, we're so grateful that he's coming back. Amen. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Lord William, Brother David Siler be with us this Sunday speaking for us. So we come expecting the Lord to speak to our hearts. We love and appreciate Brother David. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. War is a terrible thing most of the time. And that's because most wars are made for selfish motives, selfish objectives, and it's not for godly principles. But the Lord Jesus never makes a war with such principles. Now please listen to me, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes servants of God have to declare war. They do. They have to declare war on worldliness, they have to declare war on false doctrines and, and different things. But if they're true servants of God, they're doing it for godly motives and godly objectives. I see when you look at the Lord Jesus, you can see that John said, he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, which meant he had many victories. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Now, of course, one symbol after the other after the other. A vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, his name is not the Word of God in this instance, but his name is rather called the Word of God. Notice in verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven. Wow, so there's more than one. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Here is the symbol of the final victory. To be obtained over the beast, over the false prophet, and the triumph of the church. And who is leading this mighty conquest? The Lord Jesus himself. By this time, the world has almost been annihilated. There's been atomic warfare that has destroyed Rome. 
But yet there's some characters here that are still living. Now, let me just go ahead and be honest with you tonight. I can't say that I know who all the characters in the Revelation, in the book of Revelation are because they switch back and forth and go from one symbol and one type to another. Some of them are quite plain. Others of them aren't. But I find this part of this passage of Scripture quite amazing because he's coming to annihilate somebody. Somebody is fixing to experience the wrath and the war of God. And as we all know, if he's got killing on his mind, ain't no place you can hide. So I don't want to be on that side that he's looking for you. Now, there's a division of what he's going to conquer and who he's going to conquer. He's coming to be able to annihilate the beast and the false prophet, which are not the same. They are actually going to be thrown into the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. But yet, that's not the devil, because the devil will reappear in a thousand years. So we've got the symbol of the beast. We've got the symbol of the false prophet. The Roman papal authority by this time has already been annihilated because of the prophecy that was fulfilled as we saw in Revelation 18. So John focuses on what he sees coming open and he saw the heavens open. In Revelation 4, he saw the heavens open and the bride went up. In Revelation 19, he saw the heavens open and he saw the bride and the bridegroom come down. So it depends on which cycle it is when heaven opens because it's like it opens the curtains as it was and the scene changes from one thing to another. Now John says, he that set upon him was called faithful and true. So he doesn't designate him by his name, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, or Lord Jesus Christ, but he designates him by certain characteristics and traits by which he wants us to know who he is. So he's faithful and he's true. And then John says, in righteousness doth he judge and make war. Now all of his acts of judgment are determining, of course, the destiny of men. I realize we're living in an age whenever the liberal teachers and the liberal false prophets, and sad to say, but even some in the message, they want to preach all about grace and mercy and forgiveness and tolerance and so on and so on, and to preach about judgment and the wrath of God, well, you're really an odd duck. Well, you're looking at one real odd duck tonight because that's what I'm going to preach about because I still believe that God is going to execute wrath on the unbelievers and annihilate the wicked. Now, if people in the message fall into that category, they'll be burned up just like the whoremongers, just like the pedophiles, just like the homosexuals and everybody else. So you're not gonna hide behind the shelter. Well, I believe God sent a prophet. Anybody could say that from their mouths and still not obey what he said. 
So you're not going to be free from the wrath of God in the last days because you're sitting in a message church. You're going to be free from the wrath of God because you have got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the blood of the Lord Jesus speaks for your soul. And when God hears that petition of yours, he doesn't even hear your prayer. He hears the voice of the Lord Jesus. That's wonderful, is it not? Now, notice John says that he's going to come to judge and to make war. Now, the war which he wages, as I said, is not a war of ambition. It is not a war to be able to take over somebody's property. He's not like Putin to where he wants the Ukraine. He's not like Napoleon where he wanted this land and that land. He's not like many of the great conquests that have been down through time. But it is a war. But it is a war which will be sent forth in righteousness. And this war was decreed by Almighty God himself. And I'm glad to say tonight, I believe we are going to be on the side of the right when this war begins. The purpose of this conquest is not to take uh, people's wives, people's children. It's not to take their gold, their silver, their land, their houses, or their property. But it is to execute the wrath of God on those who have turned down his mercy. And when we finally turn down his mercy, for now at this stage, even the foolish virgin, the church, the denominational system has moved out of her into him. Now you see, while it's still in her, the prophet tells us there is mercy. But if your name is found on that stalk book, when he comes, too late it will be. And once it moves out of her into him, and him is Satan, of course, then it will be too late. There will be no more mercy for the Gentiles. But while there's yet mercy, even though people are in a denomination, God can still deal with them and call them out of that system as he did us. Is that right? So shine your light wherever you are. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Notice the way Jesus said that, that he didn't say they would hear your doctrine that they would hear how you can explain this or explain that, but they would see your good works and they would glorify God by seeing God inside of your life. But now when it reaches Revelation 19, he's come now not in mercy. He's not come to be able to give people one last time a pardon. No, the world has already crossed the line between mercy and judgment. So now he's come to make war. Now, friend, I know all of us have had great battles with the devil. We've had tremendous battles with demon spirits. And we've all had these things that we've dealt with our entire walk with God as Christians. But let me tell you, none of that would even compare to having God against you. And just remember, Satan is against you, hell is against you, people are against you, but I'd rather have all of them against me than God against me. Because there's no winning when God is against you. Now, Christ and his armies are riding forth in this conquest of victory. 
Notice how John describes him. And this, of course, goes into the sevenfold personage of his deity. In verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire. And he, on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture that was dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Now what we see is actually the ushering in of the great day. Now God is showing John a symbol of how a conqueror would have rode in in this days of John. So John sees him in this vision and he sees the, the Lord Jesus setting upon this great white charger and he sees as it would have been in that day the apparel of the time. So a conqueror would have come through and he would have had a vesture and unlike this one which was dipped in blood, it would have been gold and silver. Maybe if he'd taken Libya and Morocco and many different places, he would have taken a jewel from the crown of the king of Morocco. He would have taken one from the diadem of maybe the princess of Mesopotamia. And then he would have this engraved in his armor. So when he come in, he would sit there and they would have this long flowing garment and he would have his name actually embroidered in his garment as it would flow down both sides. So then when he would sit upon this horse, they would have his breeches as it was and he would have his garment parted here at the waist, part of it going down this side, part of it going down this side, a crown, he would have a gem from this crown, a ruby from this crown. All of them were signifying his great conquest and his victory. And there he would have, as it was, Napoleon Bonaparte or Julius Caesar or whoever it was. But this one, here he comes and his name is called the Word of God. Notice as John sees this and the prophet picks it up in the uh, Patmos vision, the church age book. And he said, today is certainly not the Lord's day, but this is man's day. It's man's doing, man's work, man's church, man's idea of worship. Man's everything, for it is man's world cosmos. But the day of the Lord is coming. How I many understands the day of the Lord is not here yet? But it is coming. Yes, it is. It is just at this time of the revelation of Jesus Christ that John is caught up in the Spirit and transported by the Spirit into the great day of his coming. So John was actually by the Spirit of God called up into the fourth dimension where the prophets would see their visions. In the fourth dimension, of course, is where television waves come through, radio waves, uh, where many of these waves that they finally broke into, it's the same dimension where sicknesses are. And in that dimension, it's like there's no tomorrow, no yesterday. You have access to all of that. That's why a prophet could look there and see a woman standing before him, 60 years old, by vision. He could look back and see her 12 and said, I see you running. You're coming home from school. You've got on a yellow check address. I see you run up on the porch. There's a dog after you. You open the door. You fall through the door, and it caused a fear on you, and you've dealt with that fear your entire life. 
Now, he would go back in time and see her as a little girl. Then he sees her as she is, and then he sees her as she will be, and he watches as the vision keeps on, and he can say, Thus saith the Lord, but you're well. Why? Because he could see an older woman, and he didn't see the end of her life at the age of 60 that she was. So John is now caught up into the day of the Lord. So John is seeing what we're fixing to experience. 2,000 years ago, he saw it. The Lord's day is when the day of man is over. The kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of our God. The day of the Lord is when the judgments fall. Think what a paradox. The day of the Lord is when the judgments fall. Oh, brother, sister, let me be hidden, Jesus Christ. And after that comes the millennium. Right now, the world does what it wants to with the Christian. They call him all manner of evil names, making fun of him, but there's coming a great and notable day. They will wail and howl. For the notable day will come and the lamb is coming to judge the world. What a paradox that the lamb is coming to judge the world. Now, the way the majority of Christendom preaches the lamb, the only way they preach him is in mercy and in forgiveness and he tolerates everything in the world. My goodness, time they get done with all the toleration of abomination, everything in the world will walk down heaven. There won't even be no separation between right and wrong. Everybody lives like the devil and lives like hell. And then whenever they do, whatever they do, whether it's a country music singer or a Hollywood star or a rock and roll star, they want some preacher to preach them in the gates. I'll preach them in the gates too, called Sheol and Hades. Well, if you don't live right, you're not walking down the streets of gold. I don't care who you are. That's exactly right. Come on, somebody say Amen. If you want to get to heaven, you got to live a godly life. My, my. But you see, it's the age of man. Watch, it goes on to say, the wicked shall burn and the righteous shall walk over their ashes into the millennium. And then he quotes Malachi 4.3. You shall tread down the wicked and they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. Now you know this is Malachi 4.3. Well, I'm so glad Malachi 4.3, that part don't apply to me, but Malachi 4, 5, and 6 does. So pick out whichever verse you want. I pick out 5 and 6. That's me. Now watch, you know, it was something that God got several of the Old Testament prophets into this same vision. And even though they would record various parts of what was going to happen, but many of them, Isaiah, Joel, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, many of them, they used this same terminology, the day of the Lord. They knew there was a time coming, but God only showed them part of it, and they wasn't really sure what it was. Now, whether you're a post-millennialist, pre-millennialist, or no-millennialist, you know, when it comes right down to it, we have to come back and base our doctrine upon the word of God. Is that right? So it's easy to see why that people would think that there was a post-millennial and a pre-millennial. In other words, some would think the coming of the Lord will be before the millennium. Something will be after the millennium. And I'm talking about some message people too because I was asked a few years ago by a young group of people in the message that had been born and raised in the message. All they knew was the message. They wasn't even sure. And they asked me the question. Harry was there with me. They wasn't even sure if the rapture was going to be before the millennium or after the millennium. I thought, 
thought, what a shame. They've been born and raised in the message and they don't even know when it's gonna be. Well, I'll tell you, I believe we better know and we better get ready for it. Now watch, Isaiah 13, 6 says it this way. How ye, how? Isn't that what a dog does? Isn't that what an animal does? So people, of course, do it too. And it's not that they're sitting there. Oh, 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 I'm so tore up. I'm just, give me my hanky. Let me. Oh, judgment is coming. Oh, my. The earth is going to be burned up. They will scream. They will holler. They will howl. They will lament. There's no way we can imagine how bad it's going to be. I'm just hoping I'm not preaching to anybody tonight that's going to be here. How ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now, can you imagine? Isaiah prophesied this about 700 years before the Lord Jesus ever come on the earth. This has been 27, 2800 years ago. And he's saying the day of the Lord is gonna come and when it does, people are going to howl. And he said, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Verse nine, behold the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger. Have you ever heard the smiley preacher from Texas preach this? The way he preaches it, every devil out of hell will be saved, I believe. Even all the demons will get saved. Well, I hate to let Mr. Smiley know, no, they won't. And a lot of his congregation and him with it, if he don't get right, ain't gonna be there himself. Well, glory to God. Well, come on, you know what I'm talking about, friends. It's a social gospel, and the further we get in time, the worse it gets. Everything's gray anymore. People ain't gonna call this right and call that wrong. You bunch of jelly-back Christians ain't got no more standard than that. We need to take a stand for God's word and say what God's word said is right. Man ain't right, church ain't right, society ain't right, but let every word that God said be amen by the saints of God and say God is right and man is wrong. I don't care who the man is. Oh my. Notice, behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel. You mean the Lord. It's gonna bring a cruel day. Cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of that. Some of them by nuclear explosion in the time of Rome and the rest of them that are alive will be annihilated by a nuclear fire and some of them, their bodies will not be annihilated and totally destroyed. And God will invite birds by the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands to come and eat them. I find this quite a paradox because the first half of Revelation 19 
is pointing to the marriage supper. The last half of Revelation 19 is pointing to the vulture supper. So Revelation 19 is supper time. Isn't it amazing that this was not called breakfast time in Revelation 19? Why? The sun is setting. It's the end of man's day. So at the setting of the sun, what is the last meal of the day? Supper time. So God is going to call for all of these birds to come and they will feast on captains. They will feast on corporals and lieutenants and popes and bishops and false pastors and false prophets. I wish somebody preached with me tonight. Oh my. Notice in verse 10, for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened of his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Notice that the sun is masculine gender and the moon is feminist. Now I realize that don't go in the woke society, but we don't fit in the woke society. We are in the awoke society. We have been awoken from the dead. So I don't want to woke. I've been awoke. Hallelujah. I have been quickened. I once was asleep, but I'm not asleep no more. I got woke up by that great mighty angel of Revelation 10. I've heard the voice of the bridegroom say, come out of her, my people. Now notice this loving, gentle, wonderful, sweet God, what he says he'll do. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. So you're eat up with pride? Better get rid of it. You're haughty and think you're better than somebody else because you're worth more and your house is nicer and you drive a nicer car. Better get rid of it. This is what God said he's gonna do to you after a while. Well, come on, children. I will make a man more precious than fine gold. Praise be to God. Now we're talking about real value. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man more, a man that will be even worse, more value than the golden wedge of Ophar. So now we're looking at real value that God says I will make one man worth more than gold, which people have killed for. People have murdered for, kings have conquered for, gold, right? It's been the currency of the world for millennium. But God said, I'll show you what real value is. I'll make one man worth more than gold. Can't you see, friend, why that the Lord Jesus looks at the bride and he values her at such value? She's valued way beyond rubies and pearls and the wealth and the riches of this world. And God gives us an inkling here by the prophet Isaiah that God would come to a time on the earth that he would have a people on the earth whose value would surpass. Look, this little gathering of people right here tonight, 
much less all the thousands times thousands that are washed by the bloody word around the world. This little handful of people, and it is a small handful compared to the eight billion people that are on the earth, but yet we are worth more than Fort Knox 500,000 times over. But yet people rub shoulders with us every day and they don't see no value in us. They don't see that we're worth nothing while a bunch of knuckleheads, while that's a skirt church, this, this, that, and the other. But one of these days we're gonna find out I'm worth more than a wedge of old for. I'm worth more than a wedge of the bank of Tennessee or the bank of Jonesboro, praise the Lord. You little daughters of God, you sons of God, oh my, we ain't got nothing to brag about in ourselves. but what the Lord God is minting in our soul. You see, the Lord God is minting in our soul the gold of Christ-like character. It cannot be held in Fornox. It cannot be produced in the deep mines of South Africa. It can only be produced by the great of God and a predestinated heart that says Lord make me like you make me like you and through the tests of life and the battles of life God molds you and he shapes you and he makes you and he will have a bride that is worth more than the gold of the world oh thank God Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place. Well, of course she has to. You see, in the original, he made her where she stood straight up. She was not tilted on her axis in 23 and a half degrees the way she is now. And actually, she wobbles as she spins. Were it not for the sun being on the average of 239,000 miles from the earth, changes somewhat, but the moon is what keeps it in its spot. The sun, 93 million miles away, and the earth's great orbit being kept in its position, if it was not for the moon and the gravitational pull of the moon, it would do like a top and it would spin and spin. You notice your kids, you probably don't even make them anymore. But I remember seeing them at the little tops and you push the button. How many's ever seen one like that? What year was you born? So you push that little top. How many of you young people have absolutely no idea what I'm even talking about? You push that little old top and it spins and spins. But as it slows down, it starts going this way. And then eventually it'll just turn over. That's the way the earth would be were it not for the gravitational pull of the moon. This is why you need a church and a godly pastor. Because the moon is like the church and the world will pull you out of orbit and cause you to go to wobbling here and wobbling there. But the church says, oh glory, the fellowship of the saints of God and gathering together in a pastor that won't cut corners. Well, hallelujah. That'll preach the full gospel and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you go to wobbling and getting out of line a little bit, say, hey, 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 get back up there, tops. Come on, tops, let's stand up right. Let's stand up here and spin and worship God. Hallelujah. So what's gonna happen? This great nuclear explosion will take place on the earth. 
And the earth will go, it'll go, oh, oh, there it goes. And all of a sudden it'll go. She'll be perfectly on her poles again. And then we'll have major global warming. Why? It was the same temperature all the way around the earth. That's why they can dig in the Antarctica and all them different places. I've still got a piece of shale that Brother, that brother Bobby Hayton gave me years and years ago. I'm sure he remembers it. He got it out of a coal mine. I forget how many feet that it was down that Brother Bobby found this. And it was a, it was a, a, a branch of a fern and just perfectly imprinted in that shale. And, you know, how, how deep was it? How long had it been there? I've told you before, but Carol and I went into a gold mine in South Africa and went way down a shaft. I mean, just out down an elevator shaft, an abandoned coal mine. And then you go down in this train ever so far, and then they bring it to a spot, and then they stop it, and then they tell you to look up. And when you look up, you're looking up like this, and it's a gigantic footprint of a dinosaur. So here's this dinosaur footprint right up on the ceiling. And no, he wasn't laying on his back playing this during the destruction sometime. But there it was embedded in the solid rock. It speaks of another civilization, another world that was already existed. Well, praise the Lord. The thing of it is, we don't know how many times this earth has already been through this cycle. I mean, oh, the prophet tells us that those seeds there in Genesis 1, that they were there from some former civilization because it types you as the elect of God. Oh, you don't remember it, and I don't remember it either. But that seed gene inside of you come from another world. It existed before you ever existed in this life as a mortal human being. It was there in the mind of God. You wasn't a boy or a girl walking around, of course, but you existed in the mind of God, but now you are made manifest. Hallelujah! We were out there wobbling around in the world, wobbling around, but the Spirit of God got a hold of us and shook us up on our north-south axis and he gave us the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he took the wobble out of our singing. He took the wobble out of our walking. He took the wobble out of our believing. He took the wobble out of our walk with God and set us on a straight path and said, come on, children, come on, children, follow me back to the promised land. So God said, I will shake, shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts. You see, this is part of what the new birth is like that people don't really like about it. They much rather like you just come up and give the minister your hand. What in the world do I want with your old dirty Paul? <laughs> don't give me your hand, you'll need it. Give the preacher your hand. Well, I put my name on the church book. I, I done this or that. You gotta die. Don't you understand the wrath of God has to fall on this earth before it can become into a new image. 
The wrath of God. Listen, you must be born again in 1961. And you hear how the prophet describes it about coming up to the altar. And there the wrath of God falls on you. Don't you understand? This is why so many people are just accepting an intellectual conception around the message. Well, I believe God sent a prophet. And I believe. And I believe. And I believe. And that's all the message is. Look, friend. It was not a doctrine that died for us. It was not a doctrine that raised from the dead. It is not a doctrine that's coming back after us. It was a person that came. It was a person that died. It was a person that rose again. It is a person that's coming back for the bride. When the judgment of God falls on your soul at the altar, it annihilates you. You're finished. You don't get up and, well, I'm going to wean myself from my Winstons. Instead of smoking 13, I'm going to smoke 12 and a half tomorrow. And the next week, I'll try for 12. And I'm going to get a self-help book for a Christian. I'm going to get a self-help book for how to get rid of my porn. And a self-help book of how to quit this and quit that. I got that self-help book many, many years ago, and I can tell you, it don't work. You've tried the same one. I'm sure it's all authored by the same author, the devil himself. There's only one book that can help ourselves, but it ain't a self-help book. It's a self-die book, and it's called the Bible. It's not helping yourself that'll do it. It's letting yourself die under the wrath of God. Then you can be born anew. Oh, the judgment of God must fall on the earth. The judgment of God must fall on the earth and the heavens will shake and tremble and the earth, oh God, oh God. The earth has experienced his judgment many times. Remember when Noah stood there and preached and the earth repented. Oh God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God said, all right, I accept your repentance. God baptized the earth. Hold your nose. And here come this big sphere up out of this baptismal pool of water. But it didn't take long till man got back on it, started messing it up again. Why? The earth didn't get the fire, she got the water. Well, glory. Some folks around the message got the water and got a tape and thought they got it all once they got that. But if you ain't got no fire, I'm telling you, them tapes by themselves are not gonna get you in. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Now look, Isaiah saw this also in this fold in Isaiah 63, one. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? Who is this that cometh from Edom with died. Notice how this is spelled, D-Y-E-D, died. So these garments that he has on are dyed with something. Well, what is it? The blood, the blood. That's amazing because he can appear in a two-fold way with garments with blood on them. Because he appears to the bride this way too, but he says he tread the winepress of the wrath of God. And when the bride looks at him, she knows that he did this in a substitutionary way. 
and he's got blood on him because he tread the grapes of God for her. But when John sees him in Revelation 19, he's got dyed garments on, but this time it ain't for the bride. He comes in wrath and he's got the blood of his enemies all over him. Oh my goodness. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? Now this seems very unusual to us, but this is the setting of them making wine. So they would take the grapes and when the grapes would get ripe, they would put them in what they called a wine press. We saw some of them actually when we were in Israel and they found one that was very close to the little city of Nazareth and you couldn't keep from thinking, my, the Lord Jesus may have seen this himself thousands of years old. So they would either put another piece of stone on top of it or they would take their shoes off and they would get inside it like this and they would tread on these grapes and they'd smash them and smash them and smash them and keep on smashing. And as they begin to squeeze the blood, as they called it, out of the grapes, they would have a little pipe that would come down and you'd go to see a drop, a drop, another drop, two drops, three drops, four drops, and then a little tiny trickle and then a stream. But the thing of it is the person doing the treading is getting that all over them. They are becoming part of this, and here Isaiah sees him, not so much coming for the bride, but he says, I am coming to introduce the day of the Lord. I am coming to tread upon the wicked. Friends, do you understand one day, Johnson City, the Holiday Inn, Word of Life Church, every other building, every sign of civilization will be totally annihilated off the earth. There will be no great sphinx or pyramids. There will be no Fifth Avenue in New York. It will totally be gone. Oh my. Notice the question that Isaiah asked this person in verse two. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? And then this person answers, I have trodden the wine press alone and of the people there was none with me. For I tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled on my garments. You see, this is an attribute of the Lord God the preachers just won't hardly preach about. It's like God was this mean tyrant in the Old Testament and then the New Testament. God went up to an altar somewhere and said, I need to repent. I'm a bad God. I'm a mean God. I'm, I'm a hateful, contrary old God. I think I'll go to my boy. Yeah, he's so kind and I'm so mean. So I'm gonna go to my little boy and say, little boy, would you please save me, you heathen? This is prophecy. And it lays right in front of us. (laughs) 
Look the parallels, how close they are. So here in this setting, he has the blood of people on him. But the bride is the opposite of this. She has the blood of him on her. That's what I will. I don't want my blood on him because if my blood's on him, it means he's mad at me and he's out to get me. Let his wrath fall on me now. I believe it happened to me years ago. When the wrath of God fell on my nature. Oh, hallelujah. When the wrath of God fell on my nature and God was angry with who I was. He was angry with what I was. And the fire of God broke loose on my nature. And there God slayed my first husband and set me free from that old union. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, he said, notice this. In my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my raiment for the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed is come. Praise the Lord. So here he's fighting mad at somebody and in love with somebody else. <laughs> he's come talking about judgment and wrath and blood. But he says, oh yeah, let me not get all caught up in this. But let me tell you what this is all about. This is the year of the redeemed. Notice in verse six that I will tread down the people. I wish, friends, you could get people to see it. It's just so sad. And make them drunk in my fury. And I will bring down their strengths to the earth. My goodness. Jeremiah 10, 10. But the Lord is the true God. I love this. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. This is one of the compound names of Jehovah. Adonai, Jehovah, Yah. And it is Elohim Emet, E-M-E-T. And it means God, the God of truth. Now you see, it's one thing to have the truth of God. I don't just want the truth of God, I want the God of truth. Amen. Because all kinds of people have had the truth and turned it away and walked away from it. That's right. But if you've got the God of the truth, you'll have the love of the truth with you. That's right. You have Jehovah Elohim Emet, and he is resident in your soul. That's why you can sit here and hear a sermon like this tonight and you say, well, praise God, I hate it. It's really a bad deal. I feel sorry for those that's gonna be here, but he ain't talking about me tonight. 
because I don't plan on being here. I'm gonna be coming back with the Lord Jesus on a white horse as it were, representing a power because I have already met him in wrath and my own nature is dead. The old man has died years ago and I buried him in the form of baptism and I raised from the dead to a new life and I'm waiting for my body to be changed. Hallelujah. Amen. My blood ain't gonna be on him because his is on me. Praise God. If his blood's on me, I'm safe. I'm secure. Oh. Notice Joel 1, verse 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Can you imagine? Thousands of years ago they said this. The day of the Lord is at hand. Well, in God's time, it's only been a couple of days. So it is at hand. Notice the fervency and the urgency of the prophet. No doubt when the people heard this vindicated prophet, they thought, they don't even plant no taters. They don't even plant no mayors. It's coming. I mean, it's right upon us. The urgency must have so gripped their hearts. And for some of them, it was right upon them because some of them probably didn't live to see the next day. Notice the day of the Lord is at hand as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Chapter two, verse one. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all of the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand a day of darkness and of gloominess. Wow. How many has ever heard the coming of the Lord preached like this before? Wow. We're not afraid of truth, are we? A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong that there hath not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to years of many generations. <laughs> what a parallel. So you got a bad gloomy time and then you got a bunch of people on the earth that there ain't never been none like them and never will be again. Joel chapter two, verse 11. And the Lord shall utter his voice. Listen, children. The Lord shall utter his voice before his army. For his camp is very great. Glory. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? Well, Joel asked that question a long time ago. Let me give you the answer. The elect of God will. You will abide the day of the Lord. The wrath of God, the vengeance of God. Obadiah chapter one, verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. Well, praise God, that leaves me out. I used to be a Trinitarian heathen, but I ain't one no more. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, 
so shall all the heathen drink continually, yea, they shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Notice. What a time is coming. The wrath of God. The judgment of God. Well, how come y'all ain't howling? Why aren't y'all terrified? Well, some of y'all be if you ain't living right. But the majority of you are sitting here tonight and looking at me and saying, what in the world's matter, Brother Donnie? Did he eat something bad and hurt his belly? Ain't nothing wrong with my belly. I'm telling you the truth. This is what's fixing to come on this earth that we love. This is what's fixing to happen to your family. This is what's fixing to happen to your friends, your employees, your employer. If they do not hear the word of God and will they all hear it? They won't. But thank God you have ears to hear. And not only that, but a heart to obey what you have heard. Don't be a forgetful hearer, James said, and listen and hear what you were and walk out and forget it. But oh my, the real elect of God, they're not forgetful hearers, they are obeyers to the word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Notice this in Zechariah 1.14. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. There is a day, is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress. My God. A day of wastiness and desolation. A day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Isn't it amazing? These prophets probably never even knew each other, never even read one another's writings, but they prophesied the same words. Second Peter 3.10, and we'll close but the day of the Lord will come. Now for those of you who think this is only the Old Testament, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt. Now remember, this is pre-nuclear bomb. This is before they ever understood anything about the dividing of an atom. But listen the way Peter describes this, and it's a nuclear explosion. The heavens shall pass away. Now, we talk about nuclear bombs, and they're awful, and they're terrible. But do you understand the cobalt bomb? The cobalt bomb is so much more dangerous than the nuclear bomb. They've got things that absolutely probably scare most mortals to death. All they talk and they rattle their swords and rattle their swords, but remember one day, it'll be more than talk. This scripture will be fulfilled and when it does, the heavens themselves, not the heaven, but the heavens will shake. The elements, the stars, the constellations. Oh Lord God. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise. So the fallout will go up so high, the cloud, and it will start igniting the heavens. What is it? Filled with these gases. And the heavens, the gases in the heavens will pass away. And catch on fire. Hmm. 
and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So in reality, when that day comes, what will we have left as the people of God? Much of the things that we have sought for and labored for and struggled for, it won't even matter. People have stolen and lied and connived and cheated and done this and that and the other. And when this day rolls around, it will be as if though they were like the beggar on the street. The person in the streets of Mumbai, which I've been there, used to be called Bombay, and you see tens of thousands of people on the streets there, the main streets, the very main streets, and they got cardboard boxes, they got pieces of tarpaulin, they got pieces of metal roofing, which is a high-class place to live in if you got a piece of metal roofing, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that line those streets, and there's so many of them, they cannot get rid of them. They're homeless. They have no place to live. But when this day rolls around, there won't be one bitter difference between them and somebody that lives in a penthouse on Fifth Avenue. It will all be the same. Can you imagine? Their eyeballs will melt and fall out of their skull. Their skin will fall off. What a terrible day's coming. You're going to face the wrath of God then or you face it now at the altar. I'm glad I took mine at the altar. Hallelujah. Don't you love him? Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Notice this in Revelation 19, 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. As I began to look at this and study, I found it was so amazing, the parallel of how the believer meets him and when the believer meets him versus when the world meets him. So somebody's going to meet him, he's going to have blood on him, or they're going to have blood on them. Here, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and it will slay the enemy by the thousands. He won't let nuclear explosions take care of all of it, out of his mouth, the word will go forth and thousands times thousands will die. He's providing a supper for the birds. Not me. Not you. But one day, that word went out of his mouth. It cut me to my soul. It so read my life and got me. And when that old nature, that old husband, began to agree with God's word, what did he do? He slayed him on the altar. Thank you, Lord. The sword out of his mouth killed. My nature. And I come off of that altar a new person. So you'll be killed here or killed here. I choose mine here. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword 
that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He treads. Now notice again, twofold. Here he's treading it. But who is it? He's liking the winepress now to the wicked. Where before he was treading your sins. Here is the Lamb of God coming to the world. He said, I tread the winepress of the wrath of God alone myself. So there he was with all your lying, all of your adultery, all of your sins, and he was right there in the middle of it. I kill that adultery. I kill that obsession of pornography. I kill that devil. Oh my, got it all over him. He come out and said, I've conquered it for you, Donnie. I've conquered it for you, Joel. I've conquered it for you, young ladies. I've got the blood of your grapes all over me. Now you are free. See, now he's fixing to introduce the millennium. So he's going to tread on sinners, tread on governments, tread on society, tread on everything they've done. And he will fill the beast and the false prophet and the fire which burns with brimstone. Brimstone was used as a form of incense to purge the unclean. You see, those who have died for millennia, they don't go to a burning lake of fire. Remember the parable Jesus gave? It was just a parable. The prophet said, God never sends a man to a burning fire without first judging him. But what's amazing is they go to Hades, shield of the Old Testament. Hades, a prison house. But the beast and the false prophet go straight to the lake of fire. Apparently, they've done been judged. And they go into fire and brimstone. Oh my. What is it? Incense coming up on the earth. Coming with the nuclear fallout. Glory to God. And all of a sudden, there will be an earth that will merge. And when she merges out of all of that, you imagine now the prophet asking, what will the bride be when this takes place? He said he'll carry away somewhere. He didn't know exactly where it was. But lift the bride off the earth. While all these explosions are going on, all this atomic stuff and the earth will begin to belch out like she did in the beginning. Oh my, unlike Lowe's and Home Depot, we gotta go build a house and this and that and we go over and buy this and buy that. But God allowed the building materials to churn out of the bosom of the earth in the beginning as she began to bolts the volcanic ash out of her. Oh, glory to God. And whenever it comes on the millennium and we will step out on the ashes of the wicked and the earth will be back to her Eden condition again. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I wish it could happen today. But Brother Donnie, we're so close to being in our new church. Forget our new church. The coming of the Lord, my goodness, I ain't got one plan and I hope you don't, don't take pressing over everything in life. The coming of the Lord supersedes everything. Praise be to God. It'd be fine with me if we work like dogs and get that thing ready and we have start the first service and Jesus said, come on home, young'uns. Come on home. Come on up to my house. That's fine with me, ain't it you? Praise God. 
Let's bow our heads together. Lord God. How many of you tonight, but no one looking around, you want to be remembered? You say, Lord, I, I don't want to be here in this terrible time that we've heard talked about tonight. I don't want to be here, Lord. Oh, God, I raise both my hands. We don't want to be here, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We want your blood to be on our garments, not ours, on yours. Hallelujah. Let the wrath of God fall on us in this life. Help us, Lord. May the wrath of God meet us at the altar somewhere and speak judgment upon that worldly nature. Praise God. And right there, that nature dies. Lord, we don't want to just shake hands with the preacher pick up a book and accept this doctrine and that doctrine. I believe God sent a prophet. All that's important. That's part of it. But we know we must be born again. Hallelujah. Lord, we don't want to get people to shout. We don't want to get them to emotional things. We're speaking in tongues. We want to get them to a new birth. Then let them shout. Then let them speak in tongues if the Holy Ghost gives it to them. We don't want to accept no substitute whatsoever, where it's intellectual of the mind or emotion of the spirit. We want to make sure that old man is dead. Oh, Lord, if there's one here tonight or many, if there's one or many under the sound of my voice that's streaming this in our archive at Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God meet them at the altar. Let that brother, that sister in the office, that one driving a car, maybe they're going down through Africa, wherever they are, Lord God. Oh, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, May the Spirit of God deal with your children. Draw us, Lord. The hour is coming. A dreadful time, Lord. There's no way we can talk about it and make it real enough to describe what's coming. Oh, but Jesus, hide us. Hide us, Father, till the death angel passes through. Lord God, let, it, let, let our, our lives be covered in your blood. Let our sins be annihilated, Father. In the blood of the Lamb of God. There's one here tonight, Lord, that's not ready to meet you. Father, may the Spirit of God deal with them. Lord, maybe they've got cold and different. May the Holy Spirit, I pray, touch them right here tonight. Lord God, you tread the wine press alone. You got our filth, our unrighteousness all over you. You had to become a man. You couldn't die as God. You couldn't die as the eternal. But you had to die in the form of sonship, a man. So in the form of sonship, you tread all over our sins. You tread all over our habits. And you got them all over you. And this is why Spirit God had to turn his back, as it were, on you. And you had to die alone on the cross. Eli, Eli, lay me Sabathani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because you had tread the winepress of God. And God's judgment was on you. God's wrath was on you. And God had to send you to hell. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. 
You were the creature of love, the creature of mercy, the creature, the creation of God's compassion. But the prophet tells us that you forsook your sonship. You let go of all you were to take our sin upon you. Hallelujah. You become us that we might become you. You become a sinner that we might become children of God. And when you looked down and saw the wrath of the grapes, the dispensation of judgment that was on you, you knew there was only one place. Heaven could not receive you. You had the blood of grapes on you. You could not go straight to heaven. You had to go straight to hell. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. So you died out of the presence of God and became a curse. And I hear the prophet say, Demonology Part 2, Paragraph 199, when I think of how Jesus, when he died with our sins on him, he died the death of a sinner. And God, because of his sins, sent him to hell. But you went to hell, so we don't have to. You tread the winepress of the wrath of God, so we don't have to. All we got to do is just meet you there at that altar and let the wrath of God fall on that nature. And there it dies. And a little spot about the size of a button comes inside of our soul, as it were, and we start making these new steps toward our theophany. Praise the Lord. We worship you tonight, Lord God. Don't you love him, children? I hope he makes it more real to you tonight than it's ever been before that he died for you. He took your place, took your sin, become your sins, that you can stand here tonight and say, I'm free. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer bound by Satan, but I am free. I'm washed. I'm clean. Praise be to God. Oh, we worship you, Lord God. Lead us, Lord Jesus. Then lead us through the word. What is the little reproach that we bear in this life for you to even be worthy, to be compared for the reproach of our sins and guilt that you bore for us? You died a curse in the eyes of Almighty God. The angels couldn't even stand to look at you because you were so sinful. Not because of what you've done, but because of what you become. For he who knew no sin became our sin. Oh, Lord God, that we might become the very righteousness of God in him. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. No wonder that one day when the redeemed start singing those songs, that the angels will back out of that presence and they'll circle the earth and bow their heads as we go to singing about the redemption power of God. But Lord, we don't want to wait to that hour. We want to sing about it right here tonight. We want to tell you we love you. Forgive me for complaining, Lord. 
Forgive me for complaining about my cross and how heavy it gets sometimes. What's, what have I been through compared to what you suffered for me? Oh, Jesus, we love you tonight, Father. I bless your name, Lord. I worship you. Don't you love him, children? Can we just worship him just a bit? Before we go, we got, we got a while yet before we have to be out of here. Let's just love him just a little bit. Oh, how he deserves our praise. Can you just imagine him in your mind now? Just look at him as he's there in, in the wine press of the wrath of God. In goes your sadness. In goes your smoking. In goes your drinking. In goes your lying. In goes all of your sins. Jesus is right in the middle of it, treading it down. His feet hit the grapes of your ungodliness. His feet hit your cussing. His feet hit all of that, and the grape burst open, and the blood of the grape splattered all over him. Your impurities, your unrighteousness, all of your wrongdoing. He must transport your sin down to hell. Hallelujah. He must meet Satan. Glory to God. Hallelujah to God. Why? So you can meet him as a righteous son and daughter of God. Think of it. We'll go out of this hell hole and in a moment we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye and go straight into the presence of God. Can you imagine one day you wake up, here you are in the middle of all this rotten nonsense and in a few seconds you'll be changed and you'll be moving faster than a thought. And you'll go straight into the presence of God. How is that even possible? Because God gave us a rapture producing message. Noah didn't have it. Luther didn't have it. Pentecost didn't have it. 1906 didn't have it. Come on saints. But God's given to us in the last days. Praise the Lord. Let's worship him a bit. Can we before we go? Oh Jesus. We worship you Lord. Me we worship you, Lord God. We'll follow. Oh, Jesus, lead us, Father. Where lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord God. Me, you may lead us through trials of great sickness. Follow. You may lead us through trials of disease and sorrow. Where Even some will have to go through death. But we'll follow, Lord God. Me, Hallelujah. I will follow. Oh, that's it. Let it be your testimony, not I'll just a song. Go I'll go with him. I'll go with him. Oh. Amen. That's beautiful. Sing it with all your heart. Sing it again like that, hey. Let's Where sing it together now. Just raise your hands. It's a sign of surrender. Lord, I'll preach hard if you want me to. I'll be ridiculed on television, radio, newspaper. I'll be made fun of by message, people, if that's what you want. Wherever you lead me, Lord God, I want to follow. Hallelujah.
garden. Will you go? Are you willing? I'll go with him to the Jesus, draw me closer. Oh, Jesus, draw 
taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. Did you enjoy the service tonight? I know you did. So appreciate Brother Donnie obeying the Lord tonight. Let's just go tonight. Let's sing this, take up your cross and follow Jesus. As you go tonight, remember the service this weekend, Brother David. I'm sure the Lord will have something special for us this weekend. Let's just sing this as you go tonight. Well, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross. that you 